Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, 9th, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to walk through a very simplified algorithm that I hope will help you think through what to major in during your time in college. This is something, in my experience, that students spend very little time on. They may think of it a little bit while developing their applications, but after that, all bets are off. And plainly, this will be very general advice. I know many students will have unique circumstances that might challenge this advice, and that's great. But those conversations are best had in one-on-one settings where we can dig into the details. And of course, if you'd like to do that, feel free to reach out to me and we can get on a phone call and hash out all of these different confounds. This advice is not supposed to be prescriptive. It's really meant to challenge you to stop and think about what you're doing before it's too late. The goal is for you to be intentional about what you're doing and approach this decision with your eyes wide open and with a pretty good idea about what the downstream consequences might be. Instead of just putting your head in the sand for four years, only to wake up with a big surprise. So here we go. In my opinion, the single biggest factor that plays into your major choice is how much debt you will incur during your time as an undergrad. Now, typically that's four years, but more often these days that's turning into five or six years. Which, by the way, is not inconsequential when it comes to time and expense and opportunity costs. But that's a topic for a different day. Let's just assume we're talking about four-year undergraduate experiences. And I want you to think about this process as a flow chart. I will propose a question, and if the answer is no, then you do X. If the answer is yes, then you do Y, and so on. So the first question is, will you be going into debt by the time you finish your undergraduate degree? If the answer is no, you will incur zero debt, then the answer to the what should I major in question is pretty straightforward. Major in whatever you want. Ethical tourism, archaeology, philosophy, fine art. Go for it. Because if you graduate with no debt and you have a college degree, almost no matter what it's in, you should be able to survive in America. Now, don't get me wrong. Depending on what you major in and how you perform, your first few years out of college might not be pretty or glamorous or what you expected or what you think you deserve or what you've always dreamed of. But if you work hard and make smart decisions, you won't be destitute. You won't have the burden of paying the interest and the principal on, say, $90,000 worth of debt every month. That's a plus. If you need to live out of a Sprinter van, you can. If you need to intern for a while at low cost or free while picking up odd jobs to pay the rent, so be it. You are relatively unencumbered. This is a great position to be in. 
This is the case even if you major in some of the least commercially valuable majors around, like racial studies or social media or communications. Now, if you major in things like science, computer science, engineering, and the like, obviously your job prospects right out of college go way up. But that decision will be up to you. Because even in the worst case scenario, in terms of job prospects, your time in college was likely worth it, especially if you have zero debt. You're essentially starting with a clean financial slate, and the upside will be on you. If the answer is yes, you are going into debt, then the next question in the flowchart is, how much debt? And to simplify things, let's stick with two broad categories of debt, modest debt and crushing debt. Let's start off with the modest debt. If you graduate with $25,000 or less over the course of getting your undergraduate degree, then my prescription is similar to those who graduate with no debt. After all, there are probably not too many people who get through college with absolutely zero debt these days, so $25,000 in debt is not the end of the world. And yes, this debt will become a payment that hangs over your head for a fair number of years after graduation, but that's not the worst thing in the world. We've been doing that for decades. Presumably, your four years in college made you into a far more marketable and valuable asset in the real world than you were before. And some people will still debate this, but on the whole, I think that's probably true. At least I hope it is for the cost. So my advice is, major in anything you want. Art history, black studies, creative writing, indigenous languages, knock yourself out. With the understanding, of course, that some majors will be more in demand than others in the real world. And you'll have to live with your decision. It is true that many students view college as a time to, quote, explore their minds and pursue their passions. Awesome. Go for it. $25,000 in debt isn't nothing, but I think it's an amount that most motivated students can handle, even if they focus their energies in a non-commercially valuable major. Now, let's move to the second category of debt, the crushing debt, the suffocating debt, the soul-sucking debt. We're talking on the order of $50,000, $75,000, $100,000 or more in student loan debt, which, by the way, is not at all uncommon these days. If this is the case, and you and your family decide that this level of debt is still worth it, quote-unquote, then in my opinion, you just can't major in any old thing you want. It's not practical. It's not prudent. It doesn't make sense. Especially in today's world, in today's economy, and with the universal access to the internet worldwide. If you major in social justice, or psychology, or women's studies, or environmental equity, you're not likely to get a well-paying job or any job, for that matter, directly out of college. That's just the reality. And I know these are very popular majors these days, and colleges are cranking them out more and more. But there can be serious downsides, especially if you're locked into massive debt repayments for 10, 15, 20 years or more. Even after years of working at Starbucks and living in your parents' basement, you might find a job that satisfies you emotionally 
or may be aligned with your values. But these positives can quickly be overwhelmed by the reality, the reality of paying back your loans. Remember, non-federal loans, non-federal student loans, are not forgivable, ever. They stick with you for life. Even if you file for personal bankruptcy, they don't go away. They're like roaches. So be careful about this double whammy. If you make the decision to load up on debt, which should give you pause to begin with, and then you also double down by deciding to major in medieval history, you must be prepared to suffer the consequences should you struggle to find a well-paying or even modest-paying reliable job. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow for some, but the pill gets much bigger and much tougher to swallow if you go down this road unwittingly. And you must be prepared to swallow it. If you go down the road of crushing debt, again, I'm talking 50, 75, $100,000 or more, you should at least consider majoring in something with more commercial viability in the real world. Generally speaking, this means STEM majors as opposed to humanities majors. STEM majors include computer science, engineering, statistics, data science, accounting, or some other major where you actually learn real skills. You learn to do real things, where you will actually contribute to a business or an organization right away. I know that STEM may not be everyone's cup of tea, and that's okay. You just have to be careful about wanting everything, the exact college that you want, at any cost, even with crushing levels of debt, any major that you want. Those are a lot of demands, and at some point, something might have to give. And to make matters worse, students who graduate from college and are having trouble finding a viable job often resort to going back to school for a master's degree, for example, and taking on, wait for it, even more debt. They're essentially quadrupling down before they even engage in the real world. This happens all the time. Students who are unsure of what they want to do, they're spinning their wheels, they're panicking, so they decide to hide for a few years in, quote, grad school, hoping that a master's degree in psychology is going to be their ticket out of debt. So what do you do? If you don't like STEM or some other major that translates into well-paying jobs right off the bat, then either one, find a way to get through that expensive college without accruing the crushing debt, there are strategies to do this, or two, find a college or a program that's affordable, where you don't have to take on so much debt. Unfortunately, these days, this is like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, because the quote-unquote good colleges that everyone has heard about, they're extremely expensive across the board. And those schools can't only take STEM majors, they have to take students interested in a lot of different majors. This is the issue that you have to solve. Unless you be too depressed about this news, there are other options. Now, these may be unconventional and non-traditional and probably not something that you've even thought about, but they are options. And it may be time to open your mind to these alternatives. Believe me, you do not want to go blindly into college and major in cross-cultural heritage 
and accrue $80,000 in debt, only to move home with your parents in search of work. That is not a winning formula. So what are some alternatives? Number one, you can start on the community college circuit at a fraction of the cost. Get some of the basic requirements out of the way and then try to finish up at a four-year college if that's really what you had your heart set on. Those two years in community college will give you a great opportunity to find out what you're interested in, what you're good at, what skills are actually valued in the real world, and you'll have a whole new perspective on life going into your junior and senior years of college. Option number two, you can work during college and over the summers and pay as you go. I know this is a foreign concept for many students these days. Back in the day, many college students would moonlight to make money to pay for their college. That's something that may need to come back into vogue, especially with all of the remote working options these days. Option number three, you could consider military scholarships like ROTC scholarships to fund your education. My two older sons are on Navy ROTC scholarships at Yale, which normally would cost $85,000 a year times four years times two kids. And they're going to graduate with zero debt, with very little help from my wife and me. In fact, they will have considerable money in their bank accounts when they graduate because they actually get paid a monthly stipend by the Navy to go to Yale. And when you're in a position like this, it doesn't matter what you major in. At least that was my advice to them. So one of my sons is a history major and the other is going to be a philosophy major. Awesome. Knock yourselves out. Those happen to be the subjects that they're passionate about. And since they will graduate with no debt and they'll have a guaranteed job in the Navy for at least five years after graduating that pays them $70,000, $80,000, $90,000 or more a year, it really doesn't matter what they majored in. Because five years after graduation, if they decide to get out of the Navy, employers are not going to ask about their undergraduate GPA or what their major was. Because by that point in their lives, they will be 27-year-old naval officers with five years of actual work experience and leadership and international travel under their belts. And the employers will have a lot more interesting questions to ask them other than what, they're, what they majored in five years ago. Questions like, what was it like to lead a team of 30 special operators behind enemy lines? Or what was it like to manage a nuclear-powered submarine's $30 million budget? Their college major is going to be old news and obsolete news by then. Option number four. In the same vein, students who go to military service academies, like the Naval Academy, West Point, Air Force Academy, Merchant Marine Academy, Coast Guard Academy, they find themselves in a similar boat to the ROTC candidates. For the service academies, Navy midshipmen and Army cadets, they all receive 100% scholarships to go to school. And they also get paid a monthly stipend for all four years. And they also have an automatic job for at least five years on graduation, making seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 and more a year. And worse comes to worse, they can stay in the military and have a great career. If they choose to leave the Navy after five years, they'll have far more experience and knowledge about the real world than most other 27-year-olds, and their college major will not be an issue. And our last option, 
Of course, there's always the choice of going to trade schools for plumbing, for electrical, for welding, for other high-demand careers that will be far less expensive and often lead to very lucrative job opportunities right away. There may be a short apprenticeship period, but after that, you're on your way. And I know some people look down their noses at these types of jobs, but I think the tide is turning. The stigma of being a hardworking, blue-collar electrician making $200,000 a year three or four years after high school is not so bad anymore compared to the liberal arts college graduating, basement-dwelling, video game-playing, art history major who has little to offer the working world right out of college. The bottom line is this. These days, you cannot expect to roll into any old college and major in anything you want and assume that you'll get a well-paying job upon graduation. That ship has sailed. For one, nearly every school is outrageously expensive. There are very few bargain colleges to speak of. The competition is very difficult to get into. Humanities majors are not in particularly high demand. And the prospect of accruing bone-crushing debt of $50,000, $60,000, $90,000 is a very real possibility. So my advice is, number one, think about what you want to get out of college. Number two, think about what resources you have to pay for college and be creative here. Number three, think about whether or not you want to load yourself up with debt and how much. Number four, think about how that expected level of debt or lack thereof may influence your major choices. And lastly, if the financial picture isn't looking so rosy, for instance, you don't have $200,000, $300,000 sitting around to pay for a private liberal arts education, and you don't want to chain yourself to decades of unforgivable student loan debt, then think about alternatives. Maybe use an ROTC scholarship to pay your way. Think about the service academies, where you incur zero debt. Think about community colleges to ease the financial load and knock out some of the basic courses. Maybe you're going to start working right away part-time. Maybe you want to give trade schools a try. Essentially, try anything to avoid the trap that many students find themselves in today, which is too much debt, fluffy majors, no leadership, and little to no real-world experience. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. If you know a parent with an 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, senior in high school that might find this helpful, please share the episode with them. You can do that by finding that small box with the tiny arrow pointing up. That's the share button. Click that button. Text your friends a link to this episode with a little personal note from you recommending that they give it a listen. Of course, if you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email, DM me on Instagram, check out our blog, Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to prepwellacademy.com and enroll your child today.